Let's return to our series through the book of Genesis. I suspect we'll study at least the first 11 chapters. We may go through it all. We'll see how the Lord leads. I want to begin today by reading verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. The evening and the morning were the first day. Since I wasn't here last week, I want to give you just a short recap of the first two messages that have been preached from this. Remember that Genesis means origin. It's a book of beginnings. Therefore, in the book of Genesis, we get the beginning of most everything fundamental. Um, We have creation. We have the beginning of family. We see the introduction of sin into the world. We see the beginning of society, culture, agriculture, industry, music, religion, both good and bad. And there's probably more we could add. But the one beginning, remember, that Genesis does not deal with is the beginning of God. He has no beginning. He is the first and the last. He is Alpha and Omega. And they cannot deal with where God came from, for He has always existed. And God always existing, it's too deep for us to grasp. In our minds, we would ask, who created God? I see nothing wrong with that question at a certain stage in life. Where did God come from? But even if there was an answer, let's suppose there was, even if there was an answer, guess what we would ask? Well, who created the one who created God? And we would go on and on until eventually we get to nothing and we would just have to realize we're believing this thing by faith. This is why the theory of evolution is faith-based as well. Because eventually you get to the point where you have to say, I don't know where that came from. Well, there was a dot the size of the period on your page spinning and it exploded. Where would the dot come from? Well, I don't know. Exactly. You believe it by faith. I believe what I believe by faith. No matter what, one eventually arrives to a point where they can no longer explain it without having to admit they are believing what they do by faith. Now, what did God do in the beginning? He created. He brought something from nothing. None of us have ever done this. We can only take what God has created to make stuff. We understand that in the beginning, God created is a supernatural thing. Man cannot create anything. Man cannot create something from nothing. We can only take God's existing materials. Now, we're still recapping here, but some people like to place an indefinite amount of time or a gap in between verse 1 and verse 2. Most call it the gap theory. Even though it's only a theory, it's taught by well-meaning Christians very dogmatically. And I don't want to get into the weeds here, but something I haven't mentioned yet, long story short, textual criticism, while it's always been around, it really began to ramp up in 17. Hundreds Germany. It made its way to America in 1800. It spread like wildfire very rapidly through America. It was during this time that fossils were starting to be discovered. All these dinosaur fossils were being uh, dug up. And it was theorized that certain 
fossils could be found only in certain layers of the earth. There were a lot of serious assumptions that were being made and are still being made. And it's called, it became known as the geologic column. More importantly, it led to an old earth theory. Well, all of this started to cause some Bible believers to pump the brakes and go, maybe, maybe this isn't accurate. Maybe there's something we're missing here that God didn't give us. And so something must have happened between verse 1 and verse 2 to explain the dinosaurs, to explain what we see as an old earth. And something had to happen. And what, what was going on was they were trying to syncretize an old earth theory with the Genesis creation account. And somebody came up with the gap theory. Christians now believe you can add all the millions and millions you want in between verse 1 and verse 2 and that it would do nothing to change the veracity of God's Word. But that simply is not true. I'm not against you if you hold the gap theory, but I want to ask you, how do you deal with death then? Because death entered the world, the Bible says, by sin. If dinosaurs lived millions and millions of years in between verse 1 and 2, how are you dealing with the fact that sin had to be in the world because death comes by sin? So it does cast doubt upon the Word of God. In fact, it contradicts the Bible. Well, once the gap theory became widely accepted, it opened the door to another teaching to take root, and that is the belief that Satan's revolt against God took place in between verses 1 and 2. And the thought is that when God overthrew Satan's rebellion, He also destroyed this earth. They say this is what led to the earth being without form and void there in verse 2. And the idea, they say, is that God would never create anything without form and void. Therefore, it is taught that something cataclysmic must have happened in between verses 1 and 2. This teaching is even being added into new Bible translations. For example, the new Messianic Bible version published in 2019 says in verse 2, And the earth became without form and void. But as I tried to explain, verse 2 uh, is simply a picture of the creative process taking place. It is the earth in kind of this embryonic stage, if you will. And what follows is God forming the earth, filling the earth. Just think about when human life is conceived. When sperm fertilizes an egg, there, is, there isn't this immediate resemblance of a human being. But life has been conceived. And so there has to be a shaping, even though there's not a fully developed human being. Psalm 139 tells us that we are curiously wrought, that God did see our substance yet being unperfect, and that we had to be fashioned. And I believe this is the picture of Genesis 1 and verse 2. We have an earth that is about to be fashioned and curiously wrought by God. Just think about the new birth as well. When we are born again, we are not immediately made into the likeness of Christ. Even though the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us, we have to be conformed into the image of Christ. So just because verse 2 says the earth was without form and void, it doesn't mean that something terrible had to happen to the earth, but instead I believe something wonderful was about to take place. And of course we have that recorded here. Remember the word and at the beginning of verse 2 is a conjunction. I made the mistake of saying conjunction, junction, once your function, hooking up together. I got so many emails and texts about that song, amen. Um, but it's a conjunction. And is a conjunction. It ties it back to verse 1 with no gap of billions of years. It was also during this period of the 1800s when Charles Darwin published his Origin of Species. Um, it became the foundation of the theory of evolution. All of these theories and ideas were coming out and being accepted as fact 
which was casting doubt upon the Genesis account of in the beginning God created. And as I preached last time, this is nothing more than a direct assault upon Christ because Christ is the creator God. And we looked at all the passages which verify that. Satan wants to tear down foundations. He wants to destroy Christ. Of course, he can't. He wants to um, make people confused. And if he can confuse creation, he can confuse you on Christ. Christ is in creation. And so Satan wants to take the beginning, confuse it all up for you so that you can from the very beginning of this book say, see, there's a problem. What's going to make you believe John 3.16? What's going to make you believe that Christ robed Himself in flesh and came to die for you? What's going to make you to believe that His blood is perfect and that it can wash away sin if you can't even believe in the beginning God created? You see, it's, it is a big deal. It is something that we have to have down pat. I said it many times already. It is foundational to our faith. And so if he can get you to doubt the beginning, he's going to get you to doubt some more. It, be, at, least comes, it at least becomes much easier to do that. Remember that Satan wants to destroy the creation account because creation is a very powerful preacher. Every language, every place on earth hears the preaching of creation. So much so that Romans 1 says, we are without excuse. So what does Satan want to do? He wants to lessen the impact of that message by getting you to doubt it. Because creation's preaching to you. If you've ever been in, the, in, in a delivery room, you know. There is something about watching a child be born into this world. How can you deny God? Satan wants to tear that down. It's foundational. It's foundational to our faith and faith in God's Word. Now, there's much more that was said, but we need to move on. So if you missed it, listen to it. All right, let's look at verse 2 and 3 as we begin today. Let's read these again. The Bible says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. We see that there was darkness upon the face of the deep. Now, I only touched on this thought last time at the close of my first message in this series, but let's look at this a little more closely today. I would like us to notice the connection here between the phrases without form and void and darkness. Though all of this would not have been chaotic to God, He's the Creator, He knows, this stage of the earth would have been chaotic to us. There was no form. There was emptiness. There was darkness. What does it take to get order out of chaos? Well, we see in chapter 1, it takes God. The end of verse 2 says, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And the first time God speaks in our Bible, it's in verse 3, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. We'll consider what this light was next week. I know people are itching to get my opinion because the sun isn't created yet. So what is this light? We'll talk about more, uh, that more next week. The very first step in going from order to chaos is to bring in light. Now, God didn't need light to see what He was doing. <laughs> Psalm 139.12 says, Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. God didn't need light to see what He was doing. God was giving light because He was preparing to create life. And to have life, you must have light. 
But God was also establishing an important principle for us to take heed of. And it is from this principle this morning that I want to make some application to you and preach to you just for a moment. Ultimately, we're going to consider this process through uh, salvation. But the principle I'm talking about this morning is true throughout all of life. It goes beyond just salvation. If you're going to clean up a dirty room. Amen, my boys. If you're going to clean up a dirty room, work on a broken down car, straighten up a messy garage or office, you must turn on the light. If we want order in our marriage, order in our children, order in our church, our family structure, our individual lives, we must turn on the light. You can't achieve order while remaining in darkness. This is why all these programs that seek to help people without God ultimately fail. There's no light being turned on. Without God's light in all the areas of our life, our life will tend toward chaos. So what is the light that we need? Is it not the light of God's Word? Psalm 19.8, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eye. Psalm 119.105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Proverbs 6.23, For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. 2 Peter 1.19, We also have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. We must have the light of God's word if we are ever going to have the chaos that we've created by our rebellious and sinful decisions straightened out by Him. We have to have light. You have to see what it is you are dealing with. If you're going to have order from chaos, God needs to turn on the light. Psalm 119, 130 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. So listen, we've got people that are trying to straighten out their marriage, they're trying to straighten out their homes, and they're trying to do it apart from God's Word. It's never going to work. It's never going to work. You need the light of God's Word. This is why inevitably somebody comes in to talk, are you in God's Word? Well, I know I could be doing better. That's your problem. Don't overcomplicate the Christian life like this is some kind of mysterious thing we're trying to figure out. We got all the answers. We just don't go to the book that has the answers. You need the light. You need the light of God's Word. But when you forsake the light, you go into darkness and then chaos ensues. And then you come running saying, put my life back together. God said if you would have just stayed in the light, it never would have got chaotic to begin with. Now when it comes to salvation, we need to understand We were all conceived in sin. Newsflash. Amen. Your parents were not perfect. That little precious angel that you held in your arms on January the 20... When was she born? 5th, 2003. (laughs) That little sweet thing one day was going to grow up and look at me the wrong way. Might even get an attitude. That little child is not perfect. Anyway, that's a whole other message, but we were conceived in sin. It's not that we were necessarily conceived through immoral means, right? 
Um, but we all inherited a sin nature from Adam. We are all sinners by birth. We are all born at enmity against God. Romans 8, 7 and 8 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. David said in Psalm 51, 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And in Psalm 58, 3, he went on to say, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. You say, that little baby's not lying. Oh, yes, it is. It's been burp fed. It's warm. It's good to go. It's happy. should be. Wrap that thing up like a burrito. Set it back in the crib. Ain't nothing wrong with it. She or he. Speaking lies. We could say it this way. We're all born into spiritual darkness. Being born apart from the light and life of God in our inherited sinful condition. And while we were born sinners, there came a day when we consciously chose to be a sinner. I personally believe in in what we term the age of accountability. I believe there must come a point that a child has to make that decision before they are held accountable. I think, in other words, if a child is born and they die before that age, I believe God takes them to heaven. But there comes a point in all of our lives in here that we chose to be a sinner. We made that choice. There was a point when we knew right from wrong, We knew sin from righteousness, but we chose to be a sinner. Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sinned into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ecclesiastes 7.20, For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good, and sinneth not. John 3, 19 and 20. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. As a result of this sin we allowed into our life, we became darkened. And guess what happened to our life? It became chaotic. We started having all kinds of issues. We started having all kinds of problems. We started looking for things where we shouldn't be looking for them. And, and listen, we were without form. We were void. We were empty. And it only got worse and worse as we got further and further into the darkness. By the way, that phrase, without form, in Genesis 1-2, according to Strong's concordance, is defined as, quote, lie waste, a desolation, i.e. desert figuratively, a worthless thing. And it is translated into English in our King James Bible as confusion, empty place, without form, nothing, not, vain, vanity, waste, and wilderness. For those of us in Christ, that was our life before salvation. We were without form. Help me preach now. We were lying in waste. Listen, you're not saved unless you've been lost. We were lying in waste. We were desolate. We were in a state of confusion. 
Our life was being lived in an empty wilderness. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're without Christ today, that is your life presently. You are living in a chaotic, darkened state. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, I read this last week. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glory, glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. To those who remain in darkness, their life eventually becomes very chaotic. Their life becomes a mess. There's emptiness inside. And we see this manifested in all kinds of ways uh, today. Maybe you're in darkness today and you can see that your life is a chaotic mess of confusion. Chances are you're trying to fill that void through various different means. Perhaps you tried turning to substance abuse as the means to drown out your confusion. Perhaps you've tried to fill your life with possessions, money, achievement, status. Maybe you've tried wrong relationships. Maybe even gone as far as same-sex relationships, seeking to find order in your chaos. Perhaps you've even considered that your biological sex does not match who you feel you are. We're seeing in our day just how far a darkened people are willing to go to find a sense of light in their life. There seems to be no depth too deep. It seems that man cannot be depraved enough. But they're looking in all the wrong places to fill the void that they need from God. Ephesians 4, 17-19 This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling who being past filling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. How did it all happen? They were darkened. They were blinded in their heart. Romans 1.21, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. It is Satan's desire to have as many people as he can remain in a darkened, chaotic state. He wants people blinded to the light of the gospel. He wants their understanding darkness. He wants people to live without form and be void. But I got great news today. Amen. Amen. God doesn't want anyone to remain in a darkened, chaotic state. But His desire is for all to come into the light. God wants to bring order to your life. He wants to form your life. He desires to fill your life with Himself. And only God can do that for you. How does God begin to bring order out of the chaos in our life? How does He bring order to our lack of spiritual understanding? He begins to shine light as only He can do. He shines the light of His presence into our life. This usually begins with somebody who was bold enough to give you the Word of God. Amen. 
Somebody invited you to church perhaps. Somebody spoke to you about God in Christ. Somebody was concerned about your soul. Somebody was telling you that without Christ, you're going to be in chaos and in darkness. But in Him, there is light. For He is the light of men. Someone gave you the Word of God in some form or fashion. Paul understood his calling this way. He said in Acts 26, 18 that he was called to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And by the way, this calling isn't unique only to the Apostle Paul. But all of God's children are to be used by God this way to turn others from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. And it all happens as a result of having our sins forgiven. And so Satan wants to keep people blinded to who they really are. He sends them lies that you really aren't that bad. He gets them to believe that their good works one day will outweigh their bad. He gives them to think that since they attend church or they were baptized, that they must be pretty good in God's sight. Satan doesn't want others to see that they are hell-deserving sinners who deserve the wrath of a good God. So he tries to blind their mind and their truly sinful condition in an attempt to keep them in darkness and to keep them away from Christ. This is the reason why Christ came into this world in the first place. Jesus said in John 12, 46, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth in me shall not abide in darkness. And so God begins to shine His light into your life to recover you from your blindness. He'll use different means. He may use creation. We talked about that already. He may use creation as a preacher in life. He may use a preacher. He may use a spiritual song. He may use a friend. But through it all, God is in the process of revealing who He is to you. He wants you to see Him in the midst of your darkness. And so He shines His light. And what happens, it's like the end of verse, uh, is it three or two there, where the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. You know what that word for moved means? It means to brood over. The Spirit of God hovered over. The Spirit of God began to hover over your life at some point. You were seeking for order in your chaotic life. For some reason, you, you turned up at church. For some reason, you turned to the Word of God. For some reason, you listened to your friend this time. For some reason, you went to somebody and asked for prayer on a totally separate issue. And, and for some reason, you were doing some things you never thought maybe you'd do. And the Spirit of God was beginning to hover. And God began to turn you from the darkness to the light, from Satan to Christ. And it was just like God said, let there be light. And there was light. God suddenly turned on the light and we were born again. We were in darkness in our mother's womb and then suddenly when we were brought forth, we were brought forth into the light through our physical birth. Likewise, we live in spiritual darkness, but in our spiritual new birth, we are brought into God's light. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, Genesis 1, 3, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
And I know I mentioned this last week, but notice from that passage that it is tied to creation. Just as God had commanded the light to shine in Genesis 1-3, so God shines His light into our hearts on the first day of our new life. 1 Peter 2-9, But ye are a chosen generation. Whoop! Ye are a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Ephesians 5.8 For ye sometimes, back there in the past, ye were darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Colossians 1, 12-14 Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son in whom we have redemption through His blood the forgiveness of sins. How does the light come on? It's through the forgiveness of sins. God spoke and immediately there was light. I was listening to some nuts preach because I was trying to get all the different views I could on all this. Some are really good, some are whack. Somebody said, you don't need to look for something magical that God would speak in and it would just happen. That's what the Bible says. God said, let there be light and there was light. Immediately. Salvation happens in a moment. It is a defining moment in our life. You may not know the day or the hour. You may not know the preacher or even the message. But there ought to be a defining point in your mind that you can go back to and say, that's when I met the Lord. That's when the light came on in my life. It's a defining day. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in the time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee or helped thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Has this happened in your life? Do you know the Lord? Have you come into God's light? Listen to me please. Not did you grow up in church. Not were your parents Christians. Not were you baptized. Not are you a member of a church. But the question is, has the God who said, let there be light, has He commanded the light of the gospel to shine into the darkness of your heart to reveal the knowledge of Christ in your heart? It is a very definite moment. It is the first day of the new life. Have you had that experience? Have you seen your desperate need for salvation? Have you been enlightened to the fact that Christ came to die for you? Have you come to the place where you know you have experienced this light? If not, you're not saved. You must call upon the name of the Lord. And only then will order be brought to your chaos. But what happens when one rejects the brooding of the Holy Spirit over them as the Holy Spirit begins to work in their life? What happens if you reject that drawing of God? your life will remain in chaos or it'll spiral back into chaos. Listen to what Jesus said to Jerusalem in His day. Matthew 23, 37 through 39. 
O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stoneth them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thee together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. You know what Jesus is saying? I, I wanted to brood over you. And you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, or may I say chaotic. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth. You're going to be in darkness. Till ye shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. When the light comes on. Do you see how it parallels? They rejected God's brooding over them and as a result their life was going to be in chaos. They were going to be left in darkness spiritually. And the only hope for light or order is when their hearts would turn to Christ. Ephesians 4, 17 and 18, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Did you get it again? I got to keep telling you these things. Do you sense the Spirit of God moving upon the face of your waters today? Is there anybody here you'd say, I sense the Spirit of God is drawing me to Christ for salvation, but I really don't know what to do. Listen, you need to respond while you're being called. We will certainly help you. We will not embarrass you. Amen. We'll just show you from the Bible what it says, and you can cry out to God for yourself. I want to tell you this morning, don't spend another day in darkness. Stop living in chaos. Allow God to command His light to shine into your darkened heart, to give you the light of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Allow God to make you a new creature. Allow Him to form you and to fill you and to give you light. And listen, if you're saved this morning and you're sensing your life's in chaos, somewhere you've turned off the light. Somewhere you've gotten away from God's Word. That is the light for your life. And listen, Christian, if you want to have order you want to have light, if you want to walk in the light as He is in the light and have fellowship one with another, you must confess your sins. And He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Either you're lost or you're saved this morning. There's no middle ground. And either you're living right or you're not. Let's pray.